Good morning, and uh, welcome, everybody. Good to be together with you. Welcome, everybody in Pewaukee, on the other side of the camera. Welcome to those of you joining us online. We consider you uh, part of, your, part of our uh, church. Grateful to have you with us as well. It's going to be one church in uh, multiple locations. Today, we continue this series called Battle Ready. We're going through the New Testament book of uh, uh, Ephesians. The big idea is that uh, life's not a game. Life's a, a battle. I don't know anybody that doesn't struggle with something. But through Jesus, we have access to new life and new identity that makes us uh, battle ready for whatever we deal with in life. Last week, I asked you to start thinking about this question. It's really a question of personal identity. Who am I? Uh, because this is really the question that Paul addresses in Ephesians chapter 1. And so what do you lean your identity against? How do you define who you are? How do you label who you are? Sometimes we put labels on ourselves because of a past failure. You know, maybe a label like I'm, 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 I'm divorced, I'm a failure, I'm, I'm weak, I'm addicted, I'm unattractive, I'm afraid. We label ourselves, and maybe that label was true at one time, but it's no longer true about us because of our new life, our new identity in Jesus. Recently, I uh, labeled myself. Uh, this year, I started having some pain in my left uh, hip, and uh, the doctor sent me for an MRI. They couldn't find anything wrong with the hip joint itself. It's a, uh, a muscle injury that just won't go away. So I've had to cut back on some activities that uh, uh, hurt uh, my, my hip, like uh, doing the dishes in the uh, kitchen. Uh, doctor's orders, yeah. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, but I have had to cut back on activities like riding my bicycle. I don't ride as often or as far. And when I do ride my bike, I don't ride as, as, as fast. I ride really uh, slow. Like if I rode any slower, I'd plop over. Yeah. And sometimes I get bored riding on the trail, you know, 90-year-olds passing me. And I, I think to myself, you know, I'm slow. I'm weak. I'm old. I'm pathetic. I have this little pity party on the uh, bike trail, and I label Myself. So we have these labels that we come up with our, for ourselves, or maybe somebody else puts a label on you. Negative labels that shape our sense of identity and make us feel defeated, weak, inadequate, or even worthless. And that's why in the book of Ephesians, Paul teaches us some new labels that God has uh, for us, that God puts on us because of our new life and new identity in Jesus that makes us battle ready. And today, I want to talk to you about a new label that God has uh, for you, a label that says, I am strong. Now, don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many of us feel strong today. I wonder if there's anybody here that could use more strength, more power in your life. Maybe you're going through a difficult semester in school, or maybe you're battling a financial loss or a broken relationship. Maybe you're uh, struggling with some kind of illness. Everybody battles something. That's why God gives us this new label that says, I am strong to help us get through whatever we have to get through. This new label is based on Ephesians 1.19 where Paul says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Paul says, every Jesus follower has access to the same kind of power that raised Jesus back from the dead. Now, human beings have come up with some pretty powerful inventions over the years, like computers and uh, atomic bombs and, you know, the iPhone 11 that came out 
uh, recently, but no human being has ever figured out how to bring somebody back to life. No human beings have ever pulled off bringing somebody uh, back to life. But Paul says, I want you to understand that you now have access to the same kind of power that raised Jesus back from the dead. Notice this word understand here. Paul says, it's not a question of whether God will give you uh, this new power. It's not a question of whether you have access to this power. It's not a question of whether you have the ability to live with this power. The question is, do you realize it? Do you understand it? Are your eyes open to it? Here's what many Christians do. We put our faith in Jesus. We believe Jesus resurrected a couple thousand years ago, and we hope that one day in the future, when we die, that we also will resurrect like Jesus. But in the meantime, we live on this earth with a sense of feeling weak and tired and defeated because we don't understand this new power that we already have. Reminds me of this uh, old TV show called The uh, uh, Beverly uh, Hillbillies. Yeah, maybe some of you grew up watching The Beverly Hillbillies. Some of us watched reruns of it. And some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. The Beverly Hillbillies was a uh, popular uh, television show about the Clampett family. And uh, the Clampets lived in the mountains and had no money until something happened. Jed Clampett discovered something. The TV had a, a famous theme, theme song that told the story of what happened. Now, I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to go through it with you. And, uh, oh, yeah, you don't want that. And uh, see if you can help me. See if you can help me with this, okay? Jed, Jed was a, a poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was out shooting for some... Good, good, good. Out of the ground came a bubbling crude oil, that is. It's black gold. It's Texas. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, old Jed is a? Yeah, great. You guys got it. Jed's got all kinds of oil in his land. He's a millionaire, but he doesn't know it. He doesn't realize it. And he doesn't live like it. And, And for many of us, we have access to incredible power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. But we don't know it. We don't realize it. We don't understand it. And we don't live like it. Well, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul describes this new power as, as, as not primarily uh, flashy miracles, uh, supernatural healings, you know, lightning bolts coming out of our fingertips like you see on TV or in the movies. The kind of power that Paul talks about in this chapter is power that changes somebody's life. Power that transforms somebody's uh, life. That's why in verses 15 and 16, he says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love uh, for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. Notice how Paul points to their strong faith as the real miracle. He points to their love as the real miracle. Miracle, And then in verse 17, Paul prays that they would continue to grow spiritually. And only then, in verse 19, he says, I pray you will understand this incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Paul says, because you started growing your faith, you have access to the same kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead. In other words, this new power has the ability to raise dead things back to life. For example, this new power can raise dead marriages back to life. 
Maybe your marriage had a really tough week. Maybe you just keep arguing about the same things over and over and over. And you're beginning to lose hope. But this power can bring your marriage back to life. And it can make it better than ever before. And even if God doesn't bring your marriage back to life, God can heal your heart and restore your dreams and emotions. Maybe some of us have some dead emotions right now. Maybe you had somebody cheat on you, break up with you. Maybe somebody left you. And maybe you're so afraid of that happening, happening again that you treat other people kind of like this. You know, you keep them at a distance because you say, well, I never want to hurt like that again. But I'm telling you, God's power can bring the emotions back to life within you. The greatest miracle in the world happens when God takes someone spiritually dead and he makes them come alive again. In fact, some of you right now are sitting next to a miracle. Maybe it's a husband who said, I'll never go to church, and now he leads the family to church. Maybe it's a son or daughter who had drifted far from God, living a destructive life, but now they're pursuing faith, and you see God's power working in their life. Maybe you knew a kid at school who hung out with the wrong crowd, but he or she is different now, and you see the power of God working. God's power changes lives. Some of you in a few years... You're going to be sitting next to a miracle. Now, you're not sitting next to them uh, right now, but you keep praying. You keep trusting in God's power, and one day you'll be sitting next to a a miracle. I want you to hear a personal story of a life change. I want you to hear Brooke uh, tell the story of how she came to faith and how God strengthened her and made her battle ready. Take a look. Hi, I'm Brooke Wheeler. The first time I attended River Glen was about 10 years ago. I ended up transferring to a college out in Pittsburgh where I studied dance and business. I've been dancing my whole life. In Pittsburgh, I made some of the best friends and um, was part of a really intimate Christian community for the first time and got to grow alongside some really cool people. And um, that's where my faith was really solidified. And I um, really learned solid um, spiritual disciplines and just getting into a daily routine of including Jesus in my everyday life. And then the month before my college graduation, I, um, after a series of events, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a type of blood cancer. Um, I've been told that this is like winning the cancer lottery. It's 90% curable, but still was really shocking. Everything changed in my life. I had to move back home um, from Pittsburgh, moved back home to Wisconsin to seek treatments and moved back into my parents' house after being in a mostly independent adult for a long time. So that was interesting to transition back, but my family is so supportive and um, really helped me get through my chemo and radiation treatments. When I was first diagnosed, I was, again, filled with so many questions. Why me? What is God trying to teach me through this? How does God want to use me through this? And I was so expectant to get answers for all of those questions. And I waited and I looked for this big, obvious reason of why 
me at 23 years old was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and to be honest, no clear answers really shouted at me. Um, it just was a big challenge that I now had to, um, to walk through. Um, and I think having those four years before my diagnosis where I was laying a foundation of my faith and spending time in God's Word every day and walking alongside fellow believers, being prepared spiritually um, by, by having everyday routines um, was so helpful for when something big came my way that I didn't know how to handle. While I was going through treatment, it was a very lonely season of, of life for me. I spent a lot of time at home by myself in between treatments and had a lot of questions and started to feel myself slip further and further away from God. I had a lot of questions for Him and I honestly felt disappointed by God, which was a new feeling for me. I struggled to trust him in that moment because I didn't understand why I was going through what I was going through. And then Easter rolled around and um, the message here at River Glen was about doubt. If we believe that Jesus truly rose from the dead, then that makes hope possible. So something as crazy as a dead man raising to life again. If we really believe that that's true, then anything is possible. For me, going through cancer and not really truly knowing for sure what the outcome would be, that was life-changing for me. It gave me the freedom to think, you know, if the worst case scenario for Jesus on the cross was death, the worst case scenario for me going through cancer is death. And even that didn't stop Jesus. Knowing that because I am a child of God, I am secure in my faith, I am secure in my salvation, and cancer can't take that away from me, whether I survive cancer or not. Um, so that was really a freeing realization for me. Just to know that whatever happens with this, I'm going to be okay because of this gift that Jesus gave me. Yeah, Brooke is strong, and I love the way that she uh, described how she came to faith and God em em empowered her and uh, made her battle ready, and uh, she, she overcame that, that, that cancer. The greatest display of God's power is a changed life, a transformed life. So how do you tap into God's power? How do you access God's power? I want to share with you three ways to do that. Here's the first way. First, first way is to build your faith. you got to build up your faith muscle because there's a connection between faith and, re and God releasing his power. Uh, Paul makes that connection in Ephesians chapter 1 for us. And Jesus also makes that uh, connection. Jesus said, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And look at this. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So what do you think are the greater things that Jesus has in mind here? I mean, he did some great things. He, 
He uh, healed the sick. He helped the blind to see. He calmed the storm. Uh, but he says, anybody who has faith in me will do even greater things. What do you think these are, these, these, these greater things? Well, the greatest moment, the greatest event in all of history was when Jesus came back to life, when he conquered sin and death so that all people can access this new life and new power now and forever. And so when Jesus says that we will do even greater things, he's talking about his spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us, empowering us to reach hundreds and even thousands of people with this great message that he conquered sin and death, and he gives everyone new life. And this is what River Glen Church is all about, because there is nothing greater than changing lives by making more and better followers of, of Jesus. Now, I realize some of you here today, maybe you're going through a really difficult struggle, a really difficult battle in, in your life, maybe a financial crisis or a job loss or maybe some kind of uh, illness. And I would encourage you, I would encourage anybody to pray and ask God for healing. Ask God for a, a, a miracle. Sometimes God will do that. We have a, a niece who recently, just a couple of weeks ago, was diagnosed with a, a similar cancer as Brooke. And uh, we're praying for a miracle. We're praying for healing. And, it's, and, and sometimes God will do that. And when he does, it's wonderful. It's awesome. But sometimes God does an even greater miracle than a physical healing or a financial turnaround by using the crisis or, or the battle to change you, to change your priorities, to change your marriage, to grow your faith. Or God uses a crisis or battle in your life to reach somebody else through you, to change somebody else through you. Jesus said, by faith, you will do even greater things than I have done. You will reach more people than I have, have reached. But you need to build your faith. You need to grow your faith. And so how do you do that? Well, Romans chapter 10 says that we build our faith by spending time with God's word and with God's people. In the video, Brooke talked about how she built her faith in college by participating in a local church. And she also joined a campus ministry called Crew, which uh, is, is short for Campus Crusade for Christ. She spent time with God's word and God's people. And when you and I spend time with God's word and God's people in a gathering like this on the weekends, and during the week with a life group, it builds our faith and God strengthens us. He releases his power and makes us battle ready. This is actually a great time right now to join one of our life groups. If you want to find out more, stop at the Connect Wall in the lobby. We also put together a new video curriculum based on this series called Battle Ready to help you spend time with God's word. You can use it in your group or you can use it as an individual. You can use it as your family. It's real easy. Just go to our website, click on resources and click on Battle Ready Curriculum. And I hope you do that. I think it will help you build your faith. So the first way to tap into God's power is to build your faith muscle. Here's the second way. Ask God to reveal his power in you. Take a look at this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 where Paul says, Now to him, God, who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. That verse tells us that God can do infinitely more than we can ask or even imagine in our brain. 
So what is one thing in your life right now that you would love to see changed, but it seems so impossible that you don't even ask God to do it? What is one thing that you'd love to see change or happen in your life? I'll tell you my problem. I don't ask enough, and I run into a problem, and I'll worry about it. I'll lay awake at night thinking about it. Sometimes I'll maybe talk with a friend to try to help me think through a way to uh, deal with it. But sometimes I don't trust God's power enough to ask him to do something. What, what is it that you would love to see happen? You'd love to see change in your life, in your family, in your school, in your work. But it seems so impossible that you don't even ask. This verse says that God can do more than we can ask or imagine in our brain, but we got to ask. Ask God to change it and ask God to give you more strength. Maybe you feel weak, defeated, tired because of some battle or struggle in your life. Pray this prayer. Pray, pray a simple prayer like this. God, fill me with your power. God, I don't have the strength to do this on my own, but I know your spirit is with me and I believe that you can fill me with the power I need to do what I need to do. Ask God to reveal his power in you. And then the third way we tap into God's power is you take an action step. James 2.20 says that faith without works is dead. Faith without actions is, is dead. In other words, we got to do our part to access God's power. And sometimes this is the reason we don't experience God's power. Maybe it's a pride. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe it's fear that holds us back. And God waits until we take action to release his power. Earlier I mentioned my, my hip. And so my uh, doctor uh, thinks maybe that my bike is, is causing it. And he tells me to go for a bike fitting. He gives me, gives me a name of a guy. He says, this guy is an expert at, at uh, adjusting bikes and fitting them to the individual, but I put it off. I didn't think that my bike is causing this pain. I've ridden a bike for, you know, many, many years, and I know how to adjust a bike. I don't need to pay somebody to adjust my uh, bike uh, for me. Uh, I mean, what are they going to do, adjust the seat? But my, my doctor kept encouraging me. My hip kept hurting, and finally I gave in, and I scheduled the appointment. And so I go and I meet with this guy, and he puts my bike on a trainer uh, so that I can ride it stationary, and for like 30 minutes, he videotapes me from different angles riding my bike. And then he started making adjustments. And I mean, he changed everything. I mean, he adjusted my shoes. He replaced the stem that holds the handlebars. He moved the handlebars closer. He replaced my seat, raised it higher, changed the angle. And he showed me a better riding posture. He made all these adjustments so that I put more weight on my hands and less weight uh, and, and stress on my uh, hips. And uh, guess what happened the next time I went for a, a bike ride? My hip hurt even worse. Uh, I'm kidding. No, no, no. No, my hip felt better. It felt better. And what amazed me, I looked at the speedometer and I rode faster. I get more power out of my bike with less stress and less exertion. I wish I had made these changes sooner. And it got me thinking, that's how God works in our lives. God wants us to make some changes in our life, adjustments in our lives. But oftentimes we hold back. You know, we put it off. Maybe we're overconfident like I was, or maybe we're afraid. Maybe we want to just stay in our comfort zone. And we miss out on experiencing God's power in us and through us. 
I want you to watch uh, a short YouTube video of a fourth grade girl. Uh, she wants to go down a ski jump for the first time. She's got a helmet, or she's got a camera on her helmet, but she's got to muster up her faith and courage. She asks her coach for some help, but there comes a time when she must take a step, and that's when God's power releases. Take a look. I'll be fine. Have fun. I'll do it. Well... Here goes something, I guess. Okay, you can do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump. You got it. Whoa, my ski's slipping off. Just remember, never snowplow, okay? No snowplows. Keep it straight and you'll be fine. Okay. You do on the 20. Straight. Do you go faster on the end run? A little bit. A little bit? Yeah. Is it any steeper, do you think? Not same, much. Same steepness, it's just longer. Well, just longer. Just longer, just a bigger 20, that's all. Yep. Have it's fun. A bigger 20. Go ahead. You got this. I got it. <laughs> it's fine. You'll, you'll be fine. Okay. Here. The longer you wait, you'll be more scared. I. Yeah. That's fun, isn't it? That's fun. Yeah. She took a step. She took a step of faith and had an amazing experience. Reminds me of a Bible story, a famous story where Jesus walks on the water. Peter sees Jesus walking on the water and he wants to do it too. And he says, Lord, Lord, tell me how to come to you on the water. And uh, Jesus says one word to Peter. He says, come. In other words, Peter, you got to step out of the boat. Take a step out of the boat. And, and come to me. And Peter steps out of the boat, and what happens? He doesn't sink. He experiences the power of Jesus, and he walks on the water. But what if Peter had decided it's too risky to walk on the water? What if he would have hesitated? He would have missed out on an amazing experience of the power of Jesus. And Jesus wants to give each of us more of his power, but he waits until we put ourselves in a position where we need his power. He waits for us to step out of the boat, and then he releases power. So I wonder, what action step might Jesus uh, prompt you to take? What, what step might Jesus prompt you to take this week. Maybe it's taken a step toward a broken relationship and it might feel uh, scary. And maybe you've held back, but God prompts you to send a text or make a, a phone call. And when you take that step, his power will show up. Or maybe it's taken a son or a daughter to uh, dinner. Just the two of you. And there's been some tension and it might feel a little bit scary, but maybe that's what God has prompted you to do and his power will show up. Maybe Jesus leads you to invite your neighbor or friend or colleague to come with you to church. God's nudged you before. God's nudged me before. Too often we suppress that nudging, but when we take this step, God's power 
shows up. Maybe for you, it's, it's volunteering in kid life ministry or student life ministry. We're always needing more uh, volunteers to influence the next generation. And uh, maybe you volunteer and somebody asks you a question. You don't know the answer, but somehow you give them a helpful answer. And you wonder, where did that come from? That's God's power showing up in your life. Or maybe it's volunteering with one of our new ministry partners called Safe Families. Safe Families offers short-term foster care for families in crisis. In November, we're holding a, a, a series of meetings for anyone interested in volunteering as a host family or part of the support team. Maybe Jesus prompts you to volunteer and you experience his power. You see his power work like never before. What is the next step that Jesus is prompting you to take? Jesus has a next step for every one of us. Maybe it's getting baptized. Jesus has commanded everyone who follows him to take this step of baptism. It'll help you embrace your new uh, identity in Jesus. And in two weeks, we're going to have baptisms in our weekend services at both campuses. It's a great opportunity for you to take this step. Last spring at the Pewaukee campus, they had an amazing baptism night. Uh, Dave and Sharon called. Dave serves as a campus pastor. Uh, Dave and Sharon uh, led a rooted group, and a couple of people in the rooted group decided to take the step of baptism, and it just kept growing from there. It was like a ripple effect. And uh, take a look at uh, one of the highlights of the first year of our Pewaukee uh, campus. I am really excited to do this. Before we, we actually conduct the baptisms, I wanted to kind of set the stage for everybody. So in Acts chapter 2, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So truly, baptism, it is an outward expression that we can do with the family of believers. It's an outward expression of that inward faith that we have. They baptized most of their rooted group. Isn't that great? I love how God is working at the Pewaukee uh, campus. You don't baptize uh, seven people like that uh, apart from God's power. And maybe some of you here today, maybe some of you listening are ready to take this step of baptism. And I know it's easy to put this off. It's easy to say, oh, I'll do it someday. Someday I'll get uh, baptized. But look at what this verse says. 
Now, what are you waiting for? Why put this off? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. This is a great opportunity in two weeks to embrace your new identity in Jesus and open yourself up to experience more of God's power in your uh, life. It's uh, real simple. Just fill out the welcome card in the seat back in front of you in the green section. Check baptism. You can drop that off at the welcome center or the uh, connect wall. We've got everything that you need to get uh, baptized, both campuses. We have private uh, changing space. We give you a a T-shirt. You saw the T-shirts in the video. You get to keep those. And did you notice how they say they've got statements about our, our new identity Uh, statements like alive, free, forgiven. And you get to keep that shirt as a reminder of your new identity. It's like a new label that God puts on you. We also started taking pictures after baptisms where people hold signs. Of course, it's it's, it's optional. But some people want to do it because it reminds them of their new identity, their new label, and it makes them battle ready. I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm a follower of, of Jesus. You know what? God's got a next step for every person here, everybody uh, listening. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's some other step. You uh, take that step that God's leading you to take, and you will experience more of God's power in your life. Let me pray for us. God, I know that all of us battle something, struggle with something. And I would imagine that many of us feel tired, weak, maybe even defeated today. So God, would you help us? Would you fill us with more of your power? Fill us with more of your strength as we follow you and trust you. And God, help us um, get better at uh, discerning and responding to your leadings. Help us identify what step you want each of us to take and nudge us and prompt us. To go ahead and do it. God, we love you and we need you. And we thank you for giving us new life in Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.